بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين. As we know, after the uh, to really summarize things into a nutshell, after the Battle of Badr, uh, then there was the Battle of Uhud. After the Battle of Uhud, uh, which we briefly covered last night, was the Battle of Al Ahzab of Al Khandaq of the Trench of the Confederates when uh, a whole bunch of people they ganged up together and they. Uh, they laid siege on Medina, and what's very interesting is the one person who had this one idea, who came from a, from a distant land and went through a several decade journey to get to that point to offer that idea, should remind us and give us hope in Allah's plan. Allah provides from places that we wouldn't expect. The one person who offered the idea of digging that trench was none other than Salman al-Farisi, Salman the Persian, and he mentioned to the Prophet again, when the Prophet is consulting with his community, what should we do? How should we go about this? There are thousands upon thousands of people. They're about to attack our city. We don't, we're not even close to them in numbers. What should we do? And Salman al-Farisi offered this suggestion. He said that, you know, in, in Persia, what we would do in this type of a situation, we would dig a trench, and, you know, these were the benefits of that. This is why we did it. And immediately the Prophet gravitated towards that suggestion, as did the rest of the community. That was why they, they made that decision. That was where that, idea, where that idea came from. So they did that, and it was basically a month-long siege. They ended up surviving that. Um, and there, there was a ton of pressure externally and then internally. Right, There were also major issues within the city of Medina. Long story short, they managed to, to survive that. And what's very interesting is when you look at the beginning part of that month-long siege, when they're going through the process of digging this, this huge trench, they get to a point, and the Prophet, he was involved as well. He was helping as best he could to contribute towards the, the, the digging process as well. There was a massive boulder that nobody could crack, so they went to the Prophet ﷺ asking him to go, and, to go and take care of it, so he did. And each time he, he struck this boulder with, uh, with, with what he had, there were three different flashes, and with, with each one, the Prophet had a, you know, he got excited, and he mentioned to them, this is the story, this is where we get this from, the Prophet mentioned to them, again, this is before, you know, these 10,000 people that are about to lay siege on Medina, they're, they're well outnumbered. And the Prophet is telling them before this, you know, this began, that, you know, Allah has promised us Yemen, Allah has promised us the palaces of Persia and the palaces of Sham. So he's, he's giving them glad tidings, not just that we're going to make it through this difficult siege, whatever that entails, it's not limited to just that. It's not limited to these, you know, these, uh, uh, these square miles or kilometers of the city of Medina. We're not just going to make it through this, but Islam is going to spread far and wide. And many, many people will embrace Islam. And what's amazing is that Salman al-Farisi himself, he would live through each of those conquests. So during his lifespan, Islam spread to Yemen, Islam spread to Sham, Islam spread to Persia, subhanAllah. And he would become a governor in Persia, the same Persia that he had left, seeking the truth. And then over the course of many decades, eventually things would come full circle. He, he would end up as a governor over, uh, over the area, basically, and he would translate Surah Fatiha into Persian. The, the, the point is, as difficult as the Battle of the Trench was, they made it through. They made it through. Allah 
help them through that difficult time. It was extremely difficult, but they managed to push through. And the Prophet mentioned, والسلام, after they survived that difficult time, the Prophet said, now the tables have turned. They're not going to be attacking us anymore. That's not, gonna, that's not going to happen moving forward. Rather, the tables have turned. So now we're going to have the upper hand moving forward. And that was exactly what happened, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. After this, we get to the, we get to the famous Treaty of Hudaybiyah. And the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, it should always remind us that even if something looks like straight up lemons, and to us it looks like whatever situation is we're dealing with, it's 100% lemon. And it's difficult for us to find the lemonade in those types of situations. But the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, it reminds us that even if it looks like that, to our limited vision, it looks like that. But Allah knows the potential that lies within that lemon. Allah knows the lemonade that can be extracted from that difficult situation that we're each dealing with with our own lives, within our own lives. And we ask Allah to turn whatever difficult situations that we're struggling with, we ask Allah to turn those lemons into lemonade and to add honey and to make it sweet for us. Not just so it turns into something beneficial, but also perhaps even enjoyable. And Allah is the best of planners. When we look at the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, it was very clear from the side of the Muslims that they were simply going for pilgrimage. They were going in peace to Mecca, even though you have one battle after another after another, but things got to a point where they just wanted to go for pilgrimage. So they're, they're going towards Mecca, and when, when Quraysh, when they got, so they sent people ahead to notify them, look, we're coming, but we're coming in peace. We don't have our weapons, we don't have you know, X, Y, and Z, we're, we're coming in peace. All we have, we have these, we have what we need for sacrificial animals, but that's very different than what you need in, in times of war, basically. So Quraysh met them at, the, at this place of Hudaybiyah, and there was this negotiation. And at face value, it looked like the conditions were completely against the Muslims and in favor of Quraysh. So if somebody in Mecca, this was part of the agreement, if somebody in Mecca converted to Islam and they went to Medina, then they would have to be sent back to Mecca unconditionally. But if anybody in Medina wanted to leave Medina to go to Mecca, then they didn't have to send them back. So that, that was tilted, it looked like, in favor of Quraysh. And there, there were other conditions as well. The, at the core of it, there were to be 10 years of peace. Now, the other conditions were clearly in favor of Quraysh, but the Prophet agreed to it, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He agreed to it. And initially, after things were agreed upon, and, and Quraysh, they leave and, you know, things, they, they, they start to, to evolve, basically. The Sahaba, they were in a complete state of shock. There was all this energy. Think of everything they had gone through in Mecca for those who were there during the time in Mecca. And then there's the Battle of Badr and the Battle of Uhud, and you have the Battle of the Trench, and they're finally going to go peacefully into Mecca. They just want to do pilgrimage. They just want to do tawaf. They, they just want to, to connect with that practice. But they were forbidden from doing so. They were in a complete state of shock, but you find something absolutely amazing. They didn't, they didn't go against what the Prophet ordered, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. All of them, they were fully invested in wanting to go for pilgrimage, wanting to go for Umrah in Mecca. But then when this agreement was, was settled and it was understood that we're, we're not going now, but we can go again next year. And that was one of the conditions. You can't go this year, but you can come back next year. That was understood. They were, in a, they were 
com- emotionally, they were completely just overwhelmed. They were in a state of shock. It was difficult to process things. Yet they still stuck to what the Prophet had commanded, وسلم, that we're not going. They didn't rebel and say, no, we're going to go anyways. Who are they? This and that. They agreed, but they were still in a deep state, a deep state of shock to the extent that when the Prophet was, was telling them, when the Prophet was, was commanding them to, to still, to sacrifice your animals and to shave, to shave your heads, to cut your hair, no one moved. They, just, they, they were having a hard time processing the entire situation. So what does the Prophet do? He goes and he consults with his wife, with Umm Salama. And he asks her, like, you know, what, what's your advice? What, what ideas do you have? And her suggestion was, go and do it yourself. When they see you actually physically doing it, then chances are they're going to follow suit. So the Prophet liked the idea, والسلام, he led by example, والسلام, so he did that. When they saw him, they did it as well. But Allah describes that situation, even though it looked like it, looked like it, was, it was very lopsided. That's exactly what it looked like. But Allah describes it as an opening, as a clear opening. And the wisdom behind the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, this would play a direct role in what would later become the conquest of Mecca. Because they now had 10 years of peace, now what, what the Muslims could do, it was 10 years of peace, but if somebody broke it, then the treaty was broken. So now what the Muslims could do, even though there were those technicalities that were against them, now in peace, they could talk to people, they could communicate with surrounding people, surrounding tribes, and invite them to Islam to at least teach them, this is what we believe in, Maybe we can at least enter into a peace agreement. So it's up to you if you accept Islam or not, but this is what it is. You know, are you willing to enter into a peace agreement? So they strengthened the number of allies they had. In addition to that, more and more people, as soon as they learned about Islam, many more people, they embraced Islam. To the extent that later, when Quraysh, they played a direct role with one of their allies, basically attacking one of the allies of the Muslims, they basically consciously broke the treaty Okay, at that point, it led to the conquest of Mecca. And why did the Muslims have such a huge number by then? It ties back in with the Treaty of Hudaybiyah. So the wisdom behind it, the opening, would be seen over time. We ask Allah for openings in each and every one of our lives. We ask Allah to turn all of our hardships into ease. Any lemons that we have in our lives, we ask Allah to turn them into lemonade. We ask Allah for that amazing gift. Allahumma innaka afun tuhibul afu fa'afu'ana. Oh Allah, you are most forgiving. You love to forgive. So we ask you to forgive us. Amin. Wa sallallahu ala nabi wa sahbihi